Hello, guys, and welcome back to another episode of Listen to Less. Today, we have my very good friend, Alyssa Tyler. She is a registered dietitian, and we're going to talk about gut health today and the steps that you should consider taking if your gut health is a mess. There's a lot of people online that just they they tell you to take one random thing and then you take it and you think it's going to work and then you're upset when it doesn't. So we're going to talk about why that that doesn't work and why you can't just jump into taking one or two supplements and expecting to see results with that. So welcome, Alyssa. I'm excited to talk with you today. Oh, thanks, Leslie. I'm excited <laughs> to chat too. <laughs> it's always whenever I have people on that I'm like really close with, it feels weird being so yeah. official. <laughs> Like we talk all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm excited. You know, this is my favorite topic. I love talking all things poop. So yeah, I'm ready to dive in. You just released poop merch, didn't you? I did. Yeah, yeah. What? It's called Free the Poopies. It's a crop top to sports everything regarding let's be anti-constipation because you guys just need to let it flow, you know, free Free the poop that's inside your system. <laughs> Free the poopies. I like it. Have you yeah. had any orders? I've gotten a few. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm actually like I'm I'm in the works of creating an entire course. So I'm gonna be giving that included in nice. um, the course cost. Yeah. Nice. I love it. I love it. Alrighty. So Alyssa, let's yeah. talk. Let's yeah. dive in. <laughs> let's, okay. let's talk the poopies and gut health. So order of operations here, because it, it's not just as simple as like take a probiotic. So let's go all the way back to the beginning and break it down super simple for people. So they have an idea of like what all goes into a gut protocol and fixing your gut um, and how it can be kind of lengthy. So if someone comes to you and they've got all the symptoms, they've got the bloating, they've maybe they've got constipation or they have diarrhea, they've got the acid reflux, whatever it may be, all the stuff, what is your first step to do with someone that comes to you with all those complaints? Yeah, it's going to sound, it's honestly going to sound very, very elementary, but you'd be surprised how many people neglect this important step and it's surrounding how you eat. Um, okay. And I know it's something that you chat about all the time, but I'm always talking to an individual about what does your meal time look like? Because I think we live in such a fast, society that we do not actually sit at our kitchen table in a nice serene environment and eat our meals. Mm -hmm. And what happens is you eat those meals so quickly that you're not even stimulating that digestive process. Digestion begins that very first time that you actually smell your food and you start to secrete that saliva and gastric juices and get digestion going. And we eat so quickly that we just don't prompt that appropriate release of those enzymes. Um, not to mention, you know, a lot of us are just eating at our desk or eating in the car on the way to work or pick up our kids. And with that comes, again, eating very quickly, but we're also eating probably more convenience-based foods that are more, mm -hmm. more processed. So very first thing that I'm looking at is what is the client's behavior? How do they feel at that meal? It's um, I was reading a book one time and it said 
the best advice that you can give someone surrounding mealtimes is never eat when you're stressed or upset. Because when you're stressed, obviously that's going to impair with the digestive process too, because you're putting yourself in a very stressed out sympathetic state where you're not going to allow digestion to occur. So that's the very first thing that I'm focusing on. And again, it's like, it's one of those things that's like, well, duh, like, of course you should be doing that. But Mm -hmm. when you think about your own eating style, nine times out of 10, you're probably not sitting and eating appropriately. Even like drinking liquids while you're having your meal and having those two things together, that's going to interfere with digestive enzymes too. So sometimes it's as simple as focusing on your meal times, not eating too closely together, slowing down, separating foods and fluids. That could be a very, very cost-effective simple solution where you would not have to dive into lab testing. If you think about your eating schedule and maybe you're a teacher or even when I was in clinical practice, I saw back-to-back clients for eight and a half hours straight. I was shoving food in between clients. I didn't have time. I didn't have a planned lunch. I'd have a planned Mm -hmm. lunch and then they'd schedule a client at the last minute. So it was like, I'm eating when I can. And we see that pattern very frequently with people. And again, that's another easy thing that we can focus on that will prevent us from spending $300, $400 on a lab test. So those are the beginning things. And sorry, I can go down a whole tangent of this because there's so much. Um, but after we've kind of covered those bases, the very next thing that I would look at is food choices mm-hmm. and what that person is eating. And I'm sure this is something that you've experienced with clients too, in terms of looking through their food logs and seeing, okay, what exactly are you eating on a daily basis? Um, Because there are a lot of very processed proteins that someone could have. And I can run through like the most common things that I see. But we're talking things like protein powders. There's ones that are better than others. There's ones that have a lot of fillers and have different gums in it, thickeners, um, have different sweeteners in there. A lot of them have like pre and probiotic blends in there that might be too much for the system. So processed proteins coming from powders and bars. Those are very, very common. Um, Things that are like artificial sweeteners, those might cause some issues. A lot of cruciferous vegetables or just raw vegetables in general might cause some bloating. Um, Garlic and onion might cause problems. So it's really just like working with your clients and developing a symptom log where you can start to see, okay, when are you experiencing these issues? When is it Mm -hmm. happening? After what meals? And you can start to slowly see those trends. Yeah, that's so important. I, um, as you know, I'm kind of on an elimination diet right now. Yeah, garlic. Yeah, is a tr- ma- huge trigger for me. I've it's never. It's so removed- sad. I know. <laughs> I've never removed garlic. This is the first yeah. time I've removed it, and oh my gosh, I was like, I'm gonna bring it back. Like this isn't gonna affect me. And then I had, so- I couldn't even do the second serving for the day because I was so gassy and in pain. Oh, it was no. like. 
Well, this makes a lot of sense why things yeah. have worked in the and past. Yeah, and it's in everything. You go out yes. to eat, it's probably going to be in all of your foods. Yeah, yes. those are, and you know, garlic and onion are fantastic for gut health. Mm-hmm. And it's like people think, well, they're healthy foods. I should be able to tolerate them. But there are components in every single type of food that you might just not be able to tolerate. Is Mm -hmm. it the solution to remove them forever? No, absolutely not. But in the time being, it is good to have that awareness and remove it because you'll be symptom free and then you can reintroduce it later. Yeah. Another one, going back to the liquids and the popularity of these like prebiotic sodas right now, just carbonation, carbonated drinks can cause bloating. Um, and there's like, you've got the Zevia, you've got Poppy, you've got Olipop. There's mm-hmm. so many right now, LaCroix. And yep. while they may be like healthier alternatives, just know if you are someone that struggles with bloating, the more carbonation you're consuming, you're swallowing more air can lead to more Correct. bloating. And I would definitely not have them around your meal times. Yeah. And I've seen this occur with people that drink through straws too, Uh, Um, unfortunately straws are fantastic because I feel like you drink more water, but it's the same as carbonated. You're going to, you're going to suck in so much more air in that process. I like exclusively (laughs) drink out of a straw. (laughs) I'm like looking at my straw while you're talking. (laughs) I'm like, why is she laughing at me? (laughs) No, I literally only drink out of straws. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, for some people it's, it's completely fine. But again, these are like the easiest things that you can navigate. Um, It's not going to cost you anything to remove your straw from your water bottle. Right. Right. And another one that you've mentioned before, um, when we've gone back and forth about client protocols is chewing gum. Oh yeah. Yeah. Kind of the same thing, right? It just helped you're swallowing more air. Yeah. You're swallowing more air, but also think about the type of gum that people consume. A lot of them are sugar free Mm -hmm. and then they have those artificial sweeteners that are in them. So it's going to cause a lot of digestive problems. And again, it's not for everybody, but it is commonly one of those issues. And we don't think about that because a lot of us do chew gum. And a lot of us, especially like when we're thinking about we're in a calorie deficit. Oh, yeah. That's when we start to chew a lot of gum because it, it prevents our appetite from spiking. Right. And we want our mouth to be occupied. And that's when we start to have issues. Yes, that's a big one. That is a big one. So, all right, we've done a lot of the like free just you're trying to figure out what to do. You're getting rid of all, you're not drinking out of straws. You're getting rid of gum. You're taking away, um, you're drinking liquids with meals. You're slowing down. One more thing on the slowing down. I just had a conversation with someone, um, yesterday about setting a timer during their meal to see how quickly they ate. And I remember the first time I set a 10 minute timer just to like, see how fast I ate. And I finished my meal in three minutes. And I was like, what is wrong with me? How did I even do that? So setting a timer can be really beneficial. I always start clients with like 10 minutes and don't finish your meal until that 10 minute timer is up. And then eventually we can work to eating. um, If you have, you know, your day allows like 15 to 20 minutes to finish a meal. Um, But it's kind of crazy how 10 minutes feels so long the first time that you start doing that. It's really not 
a long no, time. <laughs> not at all. But it feels yeah. like, oh my gosh, I still have so many, so many more minutes. Yeah. I'm supposed yeah. to fill this so time. Like, well, we, we always say put your fork down in between mm-hmm. your bites. I don't know if you've ever done this, but eating with your non dominant hand. I have never done like, that. Like, no. try that, and that will extremely slow you down. Really? Like, okay. if you have to cut something with, like, your, I mean, I'm right-handed, but if I had to put my fork in my left hand and my knife in my right hand, it's quite comical to, like, watch yourself try to cut things and put it in your mouth, and it unintentionally or intentionally slows you down. Okay. That's a good one. That's a good, I'm thinking of like what hand I actually, I eat with my right, but I cut with my left. Is that normal? So I'd have to do the opposite. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to try it and see how it works. I should have done that last night when I had my steak. (laughs) (laughs) So what's next then? So people are doing all of these super easy things and they're like, okay, I'm doing all of the stuff. Mm -hmm. It's still there. I'm still bloated after every meal. What are you doing next? Um, you know, as long as we focus on stress and everything like that, that's like the only other piece that I would say is incredibly important is, is making sure that you're not just not a very overly stressed individual. The next thing that I'm, I'm normally doing is, and again, this is after we've navigated absolutely everything, we might do a GI map. So a stool test. And again, this is like, this is never the first step because again, it's more of an expensive test, mm-hmm. but there are things that sometimes are deeper rooted issues that we have to figure out what is going on. Right. Um, and it's, it's kind of one of those questions that's hard to answer because there's, there's so many things that could be happening. And just to give you guys an idea, when I, when I work with clients, there's a whole questionnaire that I have them fill out that dives into thyroid and dives into liver health. And I know Leslie, you have a very similar thing that your new clients fill out, but it helps us figure out what direction we need to go in. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes, sometimes liver health is really, really compromised. And that might be the first place that I start with an individual because if those pathways are not doing what they should be doing and someone is not going through phase one and phase two detoxification, then we can't even do GI map testing. So that's mm-hmm. going to be, again, a waste of money. So right. it really depends what's flagging in terms of symptoms. If someone has constipation, obviously I'm, I'm going to be focusing on different tools to help that. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's diving into what areas are going to be highlighted most from that symptom questionnaire. What are some other symptoms that might come up on your questionnaire that are telling you to look more towards liver drainage, lymphatic support first? Mm -hmm. Um, They might have a lot of brain fog. They might feel super tired all the time. They might feel puffy all the time, or maybe like wake up really swollen Mm. in the morning. Um, they usually have slowed bowel movements, so they usually have more constipation. Um, what else? They often have sleep-related issues. So when we see like a lot of liver issues, they're waking up somewhere around one and three in the morning. That's when the liver is most active, and it's like, oh, you have a lot of toxins in your system. We need to do something about it. 
um, they might just, you know, they feel like they hit a wall in the middle of the day. So those are, those are probably the big things. And you might even see it reflected on their blood work too. Sometimes we'll see that the immune system is a little bit activated. Sometimes we can see markers of inflammation that result. So there's a combination of symptoms that we can see, but they are always pointing towards cellular toxicity and liver and lymph pathways being affected. Okay. So when that happens, what do you do to support that? How can people, what are some things that people could do on their own at home? And then what are some things that you would do with clients? Yeah. So when we're thinking about liver detoxification in general, or how we detox, it comes in three different ways. It comes from urination. It comes from defecation, going to the bathroom, and it comes from sweating. So the easiest thing that a client can do is sweat every single day, whether it's coming from movements, getting daily steps in, working out, sitting in an infrared sauna, regular sauna, taking a warm bath and maybe drinking some tea while they're taking a bath. So get the body moving, get the body sweating. That's going to help get toxins out. Another sign that someone doesn't have good detox is they just don't sweat. So Mm -hmm. if you're an individual that like you're outside and you just, you never sweat, that's something you have to look into as well as bad body odor. Um, Mm -hmm. Bad body odor is often a sign of, of poor liver detox. So urination, obviously we're talking about hydration. So making sure that we're drinking plenty of water plus electrolytes so that we can get those minerals to the cells and then pooping regularly. So making sure that every single day we are having a bowel movement, not every other day, not a few times per week, every single day, type four Snickers, baby Ruth style. (laughs) Snickers and baby Ruth style. So if you don't know what that means, (laughs) your poop should look like a Snickers or a baby Ruth. Candy bar. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yes. Okay. So if somebody is constipated, they're like, oh, I go like a couple times a week. So I need to start working on that. What are your go-tos for people to upregulate their bowel movements? Yeah. There's order of importance here. So okay. one, if you're not drinking enough water, that's the first place to start. And a lot of people just do not drink sufficient fluid. Mm -hmm. They think they do, but then you talk to them and they have no idea how much they're consuming. So starting right there, maybe whatever you're currently drinking, try to drink 40 ounces more, put in a packet of Element or Redmond's Relight powder, some type of electrolyte every single day. If we think what electrolytes do, it helps with muscular contraction. And it helps that intracellular and extracellular balance. And we have to remember peristalsis, which is the movement of poop through our system, is a contractive process. Mm -hmm. So if we can help that, that's where electrolytes will play a role. So after water is concentrated on, the next thing that we have to focus on is fiber. And it's that fiber to water ratio that is especially important because if someone is consuming 35, 40 grams of fiber per day, but they're only consuming 64 ounces of water, bowel movements are just not going to happen. So Mm -hmm. we always increase water first 
and then fiber follows. So after you're, you know, getting in a consistent 100 to a gallon of water per day, then we can focus on 35 to 40 grams of fiber. I love chia seeds because they're both soluble and insoluble fiber. So they're the one, one of the most beneficial foods to help with bowel movements. And then after that, third thing would be focusing on movement. Again, if you're super sedentary, it's not going to help peristalsis. Mm-hmm. And so many of us, we might go to the gym, but we look at our watch Fitbit and we've got a thousand, two thousand steps for the day. Right. The more sedentary you are, the more likely you are to have constipation. Um, next thing would be focusing on motility-based foods. So there are specific foods that are going to increase motility, which is the movement, again, of poop through your system. And that's things like brown ginger and kiwis and warm prune juice. And again, more of like those fiber-rich foods that are specifically going to help that. Um, Healthy fats, things like MCT and coconut oil are great too. And then last thing that you could focus on too is just squatty potty. So different tools at home. So squatty potty, sitting with your feet, planted in that appropriate position to go to the bathroom, making sure that you do some bowel training. I just made a post on my Instagram surrounding this, which is like missing your poop opportunity, which is the time that you should be going to the bathroom in the morning. Try to train yourself after you have breakfast, go and sit on the toilet for like 10 minutes. Set a timer. I know 10 minutes we just talked about. It's a really long time. You have 10 minutes. You know, go train, try to contract a little bit, get yourself used to going to the bathroom at that time. Um, And then you can do abdominal massages while you're sitting there. Um, Castor oil packs at nighttime are great just to, um, again, kind of get that lymphatic flow going, put a heating pad on top of that castor oil pack. Those are all like good starting things. And it's only until we focus on all of those and someone might still be having constipation that we would move on to something supplemental where either we are interjecting with magnesium. So usually with chronic constipation, I'm using magnesium citrate or ascorbate. Um, That's going to be more like it does not Magnesium citrate, the reason it works so well for digestion is because it's not absorbed well. So Mm -hmm. when it's not absorbed well, it's going to kind of sit in the large intestine and the large intestine flushes a lot of water to those pills to try to digest it. And that's what causes us to actually have that more laxative type bowel movement. Um, So magnesium citrate is a great tool. Sometimes it's gallbladder support. um, So it really just kind of depends on the individual supplementally what they might need, but it's never the first step. We know Mm -hmm. supplements are only needed once all the other things are not working. Right. Something else I want to touch on too is under eating or like chronic dieting, which can lead to (laughs) hypothyroidism and, or like a state of a slowed thyroid. And right there, that's going to slow your motility down. So that's like, I I feel like so many women struggle with that where they come to me there. And I'm sure this happens with you too. They're drastically under eating and complaining of constipation. We reverse diet them, get their calories up. And it's like, boom, they start having a bowel movement every single day. Yeah. Yeah. And when you think about that peristalsis, 
process, you have to have enough food mm-hmm. to even push things down. But yeah, what Leslie is talking about is like the lower amount of calories that you eat over time, your whole system gets stressed out. And as a consequence or as a protective mechanism, your thyroid starts to um, be suboptimal. It, it under functions and it's not it's not meant to be permanent, but a lot of people, you know, they, they diet for a really long period of time. And that's why that reverse diet is so incredibly important for just everything. Yeah, for sure. So we kind of touched on this and maybe some people are like, oh, that's obvious, but why is it important to do this work? And how long are you usually doing this work? Like focusing on liver and drainage and detox before you even jump into maybe a GI map or looking deeper for other issues going on. Yeah. And it it really depends on the individual and what they are and are not doing consistently Mm -hmm. or how stressed out they are and what we have to focus on first. If I have a super stressed out individual, it's going to be baby steps. (laughs) Yeah. What they, what can they handle at this time? Um, How are they eating currently? So it's probably a good I'd say at least 45 days, it could be one month to two months that we are just working on very, very basic things. And I say basic loosely because they might seem basic, but they make such profound Mm -hmm. changes. And I don't want you guys to think that it's a very elementary place to start because most of us are not consistent with a lot of these things, myself included. Yeah. Um, I like to think that I should know what I'm doing and I do, <laughs> but the chances of me being super adherent every single day is just not going to happen. Right. It's just not reality. And so when we're not super strict, it's going to take a lot longer and it takes, it just takes a long time to develop habits. It really Mm -hmm. does. You know, we're looking at a minimum of two weeks of doing something consistently before we're like, this is common sense. This is just something I'm so used to doing. And it's like, you know, I have clients that they do their check-in forms and they're like, this is so redundant. Like you ask the same questions every week. And I'm like, there's a reason for that. (laughs) Right. I need to like, I need to know that this is consistently something that you're working on. You need to be consistently drinking X amount of water, consistently getting eight to nine hours of sleep. So it really varies. Um, When I'm actively working on someone's liver and lymphatic pathways, because a lot of times what I'm what I'm spending about 30 to 45 days doing is I touch upon four different systems. So I'm addressing intestinal permeability. So because everyone has leaky guts, um, I'm working on repairing those intestinal lining barriers, mucosal integrity. Um, so I do that. I focus on some type of drainage support, whether it's supplementally or manual lymphatic massages, um, dry brushing, going to get lymphatic massages, rebounding, so jumping, castor oil packs, we're doing all that for 30 30 to 45 days. Um, We're doing some type of liver detox support that can be a combination of diet and supplements. And um, just like you talk about, Leslie, like adopting more of a toxin-free style lifestyle with um, the products that you're using on a daily basis. And then I'm adding in 
a biofilm disruptor to help kind of break down where your pathogens like to hide and protect themselves because they don't want to be killed. And then binding support. So a binder is going to go in and grab those toxins and help get them out of the system. So it's a it's a combination of so many different things, you know, where we're supporting stress and diet and hydration and their lifestyle, as well as supplements for a good month to two months before we dive into things. Let's take a moment to shout out the show's sponsors. First, I want to talk about salt. Salt is one of those things that outdated nutrition advice has a lot of people afraid of. I've had so many clients in the past that when they start using MyFitnessPal to track their food, they look at their sodium content and it says they're over and they start freaking out because for some reason, salt has been demonized and we're all afraid of it. But did you know that you actually need salt? You need salt. Part of its responsibility is to keep your heart pumping. So salt and electrolytes are super important. Majority of people are actually dehydrated. And what I mean by that is not necessarily because they're not consuming enough water. Well, if you're not consuming enough water, that will definitely dehydrate you. But there's a lot of people that do drink enough water. However, they don't have enough electrolytes and minerals on board to help that water go into the cell and actually do its job to hydrate you. I am one of these people. So I was drinking a lot of water. I'm also a little bit more of a stressed person, a more anxious prone person. And I did some hair tissue mineral analysis testing and actually saw that my sodium levels and amongst other mineral levels were super low. So what I started doing was drinking element two times a day, plus I make sure that I'm eating foods rich in electrolytes as well. I have one packet when I go to the gym and when I'm working out, and then I have another packet usually around like 1 or 2 p.m. when maybe the work day has got me feeling a little bit tired by that time, I will just pop an element packet into my water and it is naturally flavored, so it doesn't just taste like you're licking a bunch of salt. It has a good flavor to it, but it's got a really good amount of salt in it. It does have potassium in it. So it's giving you those electrolytes that your body needs. If you are somebody that's working out or you're sweating every single day or most days, if you're someone that's stressed or anxious, you probably need a little bit more electrolytes than someone who is cool, calm, and collected all of the time because your adrenal glands, which run your stress hormones, also utilize electrolytes. So it's super important to make sure that you are replenishing and adding electrolytes to your water. If you want to check out Element, you can use my code that's in the show notes, and this will give you one free sample box of all of their flavors with the order of one full box. Personally, I like the orange salt and the citrus salt the most. The citrus salt kind of makes me feel like I'm drinking a healthy margarita with that lime, lemon, lime flavor to it. And of course, a little bit of saltiness. So make sure you check out that link in the show notes and get yourself hydrated. You guys know that I am an anxious person, right? We've talked about this. I am more stressed than the average Joe. And for a really long time, my, my anxiety got really bad. To be honest, I was experiencing feelings of panic. I started having disassociation from my body. If you don't know what that is, I hope you never have to Google what those symptoms are because it's not a fun thing to go through. And overall just was not feeling happy. I was just afraid all of the time. And 
I was really nervous that this is, this was just going to, this was my personality and I didn't want to feel that way any longer. So I really dove into somatic therapy, meditation, journaling, nervous system regulation, all the things and just being in nature more. And that helped me so much to where now I can say I do experience anxiety sometimes, but I'm not anxious and fearful and in panic all of the time every single day. Now, I do still occasionally have bouts of anxiety and just feelings of unease that I go through all of my practices, I do all of my tips and tricks, I do all the meditation and whatnot, and it, I just can't kick it. I can't kick that feeling. And in those moments, I try to accept the feeling, let it be welcome in my body because trying to ignore it and avoid it makes it worse. But it's not always optimal when I'm trying to go to bed. So I have been using Joy Organic CBD capsules at night when I just really can't kick that feeling and it's kind of keeping me up at night. So I personally use their broad spectrum CBD capsules without THC. However, they do have some products with CBD and THC if that's more your vibe. They also have tinctures and they have gummies if you want to try something like that as opposed to a capsule. I've really been liking these, especially on nights when Drew is gone and I'm home alone. It just helps me to sleep a little bit better and to kind of wind down and mellow out before I get some shut eye. So if you want to try it out and see if it helps you, you can use my code Leslie20 at checkout to get 20% off your order. You know I got you. The link is in the show notes. Plus, I'll put my code there so you can easily copy and paste. And I want you to try it out and see if it helps you because I know anxiety, feelings of panic, all of that, it's not a fun place to be. So I really hope this helps you. And the reason we have to start here is, you know, thinking about what the lymphatic system does. Most people just neglect the lymphatic system entirely. And the lymphatic system, you can compare it to your sewage system. Mm-hmm. And if that sewer is blocked, and not open, none of that waste is going to get out. And this comes at a cellular level too. Let's say, for example, and this is something that I'm currently experiencing now because I've been on testosterone replacement therapy and I've been on progesterone. My cells have so much toxicity around them because I have mold right now that it doesn't matter what products I take they're not going to get into the cell and the waste is not going to get out of the cell unless I focus on that toxicity first and Mm -hmm. foremost. So it won't matter if someone's on thyroid hormone or on external hormones or taking all these supplements because it won't do anything if toxicity is present. So we have to get rid of the toxicity first and then we can focus on the next step. Yeah. I love that. So I'm asking you a personal question. I know you moved out of your house from mold. So did you do a a mycotox test? I did not. Again, because it's one of those tests that's very expensive and symptomatically I'm checking off all the boxes. You got got it. So I know I can probably test and I'm going to be positive and it might tell me specifically what strain I need to treat. Yeah. But right now I'm focusing on my mitochondrial health. So the mitochondria are in your cells producing energy. Um, I'm focusing on methylation and making sure that's functioning smoothly, focusing on my liver, focusing on my kidney. I'm, I'm supporting all those organs to make sure that the next step of my treatment process 
goes well. And it works, right? So that's, that's a big part of like, if you skip the, the liver, like it's, it's your whole body's detox process, right? So mm-hmm. if you just skip supporting that and you jump into killing off a bunch of pathogens that you think you have, then it, you're going to feel horrible, 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 <laughs> yeah, absolutely horrible. Have no way to get out. Right. They're, they're, you're killing them off, but they cannot be excreted from your system. They're just kind of like hanging out. And yes. you and I just had this conversation where we talked about, you know, we might do one time lab reviews with people, but it's not something that we love doing because mm-hmm. we know it's going to take a much longer approach and it's not as easy as here's your lab results. This is what you need to do. Good luck. Yeah. Because it just, it does not go with our values. We know right. that there's so many other things that we have to dive into and it's hopefully you see this data and you're like, wow, there's a lot going on, but I know in order for me to fully feel better, it's going to take a minimum of six months to Mm -hmm. work on this. Usually in most cases, longer than six months, because it's not just gut issues that we have. There's so many other things that are going on. Oh yeah. I mean, perfect example right here. (laughs) (laughs) It's been, I, the, and I still always laugh. I know, I think I've brought this up to you before when I direct messaged you for the first time. And I was like, can you tell me about this berberine supplement? And you were like, <laughs> why are you asking? Let's dig a little deeper. And here yeah. we are <laughs> yeah. still working on it. Yeah. So we, we get a lot of supplement questions and yes. a lot of like people want to take certain blends to fix things. Mm-hmm. And it's just not as easy as that. No, it's Wish not as it easy. Was. Right. It's not as easy as just taking something like one thing too, and then hoping it works. Certain supplements work for certain things. So bloating is a symptom of pretty much every type of gut issue there is. So you might be taking a supplement that works really good for somebody that has H. pylori, but it's like not that great for someone that has parasites. I'm just throwing words out here, but there's different treatments for different outcomes or different issues that you have. And also the whole first half of this podcast, if you aren't doing all of those basic eating, right, eating the right things, um, before you even get to the drainage talk and the detox talk, if you're skipping those things, and I feel like this is really common for, cause it's kind of like, I would get really frustrated with this online, especially on TikTok, Cause everybody's just in the comments, like, well, why aren't you telling me what to take? Thanks. You Mm. didn't help me at all. And it's like, I think it translates because that's the, the medical model is, Oh, you have X take Y it's just one pill. Here you go. This will solve your problem. And so people want that to be how the functional space is where it's like, it's, they think it's kind of the same thing. Oh, you have parasites take this one thing, or you have H pylori take this one thing, but it's so much bigger than that. And so much more Like we're looking at the body as a whole, how you're eating. Are you drinking? Like, what is your, um, what do your weekends look like? Are you drinking alcohol? We're looking at your sleep, your hydration, all of that. So it's not as simple as just take this. And then my other thing issue I have with just, I'm going on a rant here (laughs) with um, the social media, like pushing different supplements and the branding of supplements is there are a lot of blends of random stuff out there that the dosage is so minimal. 
Mm-hmm. that it's not going to do anything. And I've had so many people say, well, I took that and it didn't work for me. And I look at the brand they took and it's like, well, no wonder you have to take the whole bottle for it to be effective. Yeah. Yeah. So- if anything is like one pill per day and it looks like it's, I'm getting all this stuff in there. It's probably not going to do what it should be doing. You know, the mm-hmm. same as like for prenatals. It was just, were we just talking about this recently too? Yeah. You know, if a prenatal is only like two capsules per day, it's probably not correct. They should be like eight capsules per day that yes. you need. Yeah. It's after Alyssa and I, what, did you finish the book? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm almost <laughs> done with it, but it's, we are both reading the same book called real food in pregnancy. And so we are kind of having this conversation of like, you need so much nutrients in your diet when you are pregnant or even just preconception health that it's kind of, it's sad, but also comical that you're just told to take this one gummy a day is all you need while you're pregnant. Like that is so far from the truth. It is. It is. It's it's really sad because there's just not a lot of education surrounding it. Um, But yeah, these blends, these blends are, I don't want to say they're dangerous, but they're just, they're just not effective, but it also comes from like an influencer stance where mm-hmm. it actually could be extremely dangerous to recommend certain things to clients that especially targeted toward, and I'll talk about like dim combination products too. Like if yeah. an individual has acne, like a lot of times they're like, oh, I should, well, dim worked for this person and it got their acne a lot better. And I have had a lot of clients come into me taking DIM and other hormonal blends because they're so desperate for their symptoms to get better. And a lot of times the issue is not necessarily estrogen dominance. It's it's other things that are going on and they might be worsening mm-hmm. by taking that. So it's so individualized and supplements. You have to remember it's a, it's a business. They want yep. you to buy those supplements. Yep. So there's always going to be things on the market, like brains powders and gut powders. And every company has a BCAA or amino acid powder. Like you see all these trends towards those things. It's because they know it sells Mm -hmm. and they know that you're going to buy it. Yeah. I just recently, this one's probably not as common, but I recently saw huge fitness influencer. I actually went to college with her. Um, and she posted, she's affiliated with this company and she was promoting DHEA. Mm. And I was just like, no, it's such a, yeah, you can't just take DHEA. No, if you're, if you have high estrogen or high testosterone, like do not take that. Yeah. But people don't know that unless you get labs done and you actually work with somebody to see that. So just be careful of the supplements you're taking people. Yes, correct. And just the reason we're harping on this is because DHEA is a precursor for those that don't know, it's a precursor to testosterone, which then converts into estrogen. So while it's a good supplement for some people, if you have high estrogen, the last thing that you want to do is take DHEA because it's Mm going to eventually have that testosterone convert into estrogen. So we don't want to increase estrogen further if it's already high. Right. Or if you're someone with like PCOS and you've got elevated testosterone, you you don't want more. (laughs) Correct. You do not want more. So 
All right, let's move on into some possible, and I know there's so many different things, but mm-hmm. next steps, like we're doing everything. Maybe it's a really complicated case and we decide to get a GI map. What are, mm-hmm. What's the difference? This is a good question for you. Um, what's the difference between a GI map and what that will show you versus a stool test that maybe a medical doctor is using that's telling you everything is fine? <laughs> Yeah, so I'm not sure specifically what the doctors test for in their stool test, but most of my clients that have had a stool test at the doctor, it always comes back normal. Everything's negative. You just have IBS. You know, there was there was nothing wrong with your labs. But when we test, and I've had this come up with H. pylori too, you know, they test for H. pylori, it's negative in their office. And then we do a GI map stool test and it comes out positive. I don't know if it's because the type of stool test that they're using does not look at things with PCR technology, you know, looking at it from a DNA level, but it is never, I've never had a clean GI map come back. Mm -hmm. There's always some kind of answer to the symptoms that they're experiencing. It's not... The end result, I will say that because GI maps have its flaws too. So you really have to listen to the person and what they're experiencing symptom-wise and treat the person and not the lab result. Mm-hmm. But it tends to at least help us get in the right direction of where we need to go. And it's it's that in combination usually with blood work that's revealing like a, a very large picture of Mm -hmm. what we need to do. Um, There's a lot of different things that are going to result from it. You know, whether you have um, H. pylori, whether you have a certain degree of bacterial overgrowth, whether your digestive function, gallbladder, pancreas is struggling, um, it gives us a good starting base of what we need to do. Yeah. And it can show you so many different things um, Mm -hmm. of what's going on, whether that's like, it can show some parasites, not all. Um, yeah. H. pylori. I feel like that's the biggest one that it's H. Like... pylori is extremely common. Yeah. So if you're experiencing things like acid reflux and heartburn, and you've had symptoms of having a stomach ulcer, chances are it's it's H. pylori. And H. Mm-hmm. pylori is a lot of times what drives low stomach acid in people over time. Yeah. So you had it. I had it. So common. <laughs> Edit twice. Yeah. <laughs> not fun. Not no, fun. It's but it is a hundred percent. Like I've also, whenever I post about it on it's always TikTok, TikTok just gives me a run for my money. Whenever I post about H. pylori on there, the comments are flooded with, oh, you have to take antibiotics. And I just want you to know that is an option for you, but you can a hundred percent treat it naturally. Um you and I did for me the first time working on it right now, the second time you've treated it naturally yourself. So you don't, it's not always, you don't always have to go to antibiotics. Antibiotics typically are faster, but they can also have a lot of repercussions along the way that then you have to kind of build things back up afterwards. Whereas a natural approach does work. It just takes a little bit longer. Um, And with a natural approach, we're also kind of looking at more. So how'd you get here? Now with H. pylori, it's just very, it's, I think it's what 40% of the population has it and it's very Mm -hmm. easily transferable via saliva. So 
-hmm. chances are you might have it at some point in your life just because of how common it is. But when treating things the natural route, we're kind of, we're looking at how did you get here in the first place? Like, it's not just, oh, you got here because of something. You didn't just develop these overgrowths or undergrowths out of nowhere. Something led to this. So we're kind of working on how do we get here and how can we kind of prevent that too? So if clients are, you know, I always, I wouldn't suggest treating these things by yourself. I would definitely reach out to Alyssa, me, somebody else that has the credentials to be able to help you through this. And then we can take you through kind of like that quote unquote, what I call it a kill phase to kill things off. Um, and that's gonna, I mean, I'll let you kind of answer that. What does that kind of entail in a kill phase? If somebody is looking to work with somebody and they just mm -hmm. want a little heads up on what that's going to look like. Yeah, there are certain things to expect, you know, anytime that you are killing something off an active pathogen in your system, there might be some die off symptoms that you experience. There's also the requirements for us to pay attention to how are you tolerating a supplement? Mm -hmm. Is it the correct dosage? There's a lot of things that can go wrong. Um, I've had individuals that you know, they, they don't tolerate garlic or they don't tolerate oregano. And again, that's why I don't just like to give protocols and wish someone well, because if you start to react to something, we need to switch what we're using. So there's certain herbs that have been studied to kill off certain pathogens. And that's why it's important that we don't just guess what's present in your system. So there are certain herbs that work in combination with each other to actually kill them off. So we're usually doing either combinations or single strains of herbs to treat you. The length of treatment is really going to depend on the severity and how overgrown something is. If you're looking at something like H. pylori, it could take anywhere from four to six weeks to kill it. If you're looking at something that's more a very high like SIBO, which is not SIBO, but CBO, commensal bacteria overgrowth. It might take six weeks to 12 weeks. SIBO might take the same amount, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. So it, the length of time really varies. And then we also have to think about, we might need to rotate herbs every few months too. Mm -hmm. So your bacteria or pathogens, they become very resistant. They don't want to be killed. So they are going to become very tolerant to the herbs that you're using and resistant. And you need to switch up what you're using. It's like the same thing as like a training program. You're mm -hmm. not going to go in and train for six months doing these same type of routine. You're going to rotate it up. And the same has to go with your herbs. So rotating herbs, length of time, we're usually doing some type of biofilm disrupting. So biofilm is like a protective layer that the pathogens might create. That has to be broken down. Things like parasites, candida, they often live in biofilm. So it's important to break those down. Sometimes treatment has to go in phases. Like if I have a client that has both H. pylori and candida and SIBO, sometimes we can't treat everything at once. Um, if a client's GI map comes back and they have very low pancreatic enzymes, 
we can't start a protocol until we've started to increase their digestive enzymes. Because if we give a bunch of pills that they can't even break down, mm-hmm. it's not going to work well. Um, so it really depends on what the test reveals, how long, and how many phases it might take. And then that goes in combination with specific diets. And it really depends, again, what is showing up, how severe we might need to be with diets. Sometimes we have to be extremely restricted. And that's hard for an individual to hear, but we have to remember it is very, very temporary. You're not going to be low histamine, low FODMAP, dairy-free, gluten-free for forever. And if any practitioner has kept you in that place for a very long period of time, you need another practitioner because you should not be eliminating these foods forever. So it's, it's meant to be temporary. It's meant to relieve those symptoms, remove the inflammation. And then after we've eradicated everything, then we can start to introduce foods. And you should hopefully be able to tolerate most of them. Yeah. And then what, so if that's a kill phase, did we talk about die-off? We talked a little bit about die-off, you know, especially if someone is not focusing on liver detox and not focusing on lymph drainage, if they're just kind of going and attacking, yes, they're going to have a lot of die-off. It's normal It is normal to feel worse before you feel better, Mm -hmm. but there are certain things like those binders, like making sure you're pooping every day, making sure you're hydrating well, um, that are going to make that process a lot more tolerable. Yeah. For example, when I started the supplements that I was doing for my kill off for this candida phase, Mm -hmm. there was like two weeks where I was not doing well. (laughs) I was not doing okay. But then it was like, after like the third week, I feel like a new human. I'm like, but a lot of it was my mental health. Like, and that's something that's really common too, of like, when you do a elimination diet or even start killing some of these pathogens off, or you just start something new, there's like an emotional die off too, that a lot of clients and myself included can experience too, where it gets very emotional those first couple of weeks too. Yeah. There's a big shift. It's a big lifestyle shift. Mm-hmm. There's a lot that you have to, that's why not everyone wants to do these protocols. They're, they're not supposed to be easy, but no. we do our best to guide the clients and make it as realistic as possible. And it's just hanging on to that hope that everything that you're doing is going to be worth it. Yeah, absolutely. And it is, it is worth it, it to, is. to feel good afterwards. So do you have, is it common for you to see this? And this kind of goes back to like why the one-time lab reviews, especially when it's like a lot of gut stuff and we're doing a GI map and it comes back, like lit up like a Christmas tree. Um, do you see, a, do you have to make a lot of pivots or do you see that clients have to do multiple protocols? Cause they maybe after the first one, they feel like 50% better, but there's still stuff going on. Yeah. Um, it kind of goes both ways. Sometimes people will find immediate relief. I'll say in most cases, we do often have to pivot though. Yeah. There's so many things that result. There's so many things that throw your life off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that Like life just happens sometimes, you know, we can't control that. Maybe we go on vacation in the middle of our protocol or um, 
guests come in town or, you know, something might happen. You might get sick in the middle yep. of your protocol. And that's just like, that's just how life goes. We can't always be in this perfect bubble. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's always going to be different things that are thrown along the way. And again, that's why a client touches base with a coach weekly so that we can hear that progress because we need to hear absolutely everything that is happening. Even if you feel like it's the smallest symptom, you have to pay attention to that so that we know how to pivot and adjust to what you're going through. Um, Cause chances are we've, we've seen it and we know how to, um, you know, get back to what we need to do. Mm-hmm. So if, when clients are, they've done the kill phase, they've, done all the pivots. They're feeling really good. They're like at least 90 to hundred percent better. And they're like, wow, I feel great. Do you enter another type of phase or something like that to prevent a relapse from happening? Or what does that look like for people? Yeah. Well, usually if they're like 90% better, I keep going okay. <laughs> because we don't want to stop too soon. It's like if someone's taking antidepressants and then they're like, I'm great. And then they just stop taking them. So we, we usually like, we'll continue when they start to feel better. We'll continue for like another two weeks and then we start to taper off. And what's really important is you, you have to remember, you just went through something that's very comparable to taking an antibiotic mm-hmm. um, because antimicrobials are antibiotic. Like it's the, well, antibiotics are antimicrobials. Antimicrobials are not necessarily antibiotics, but they're killing something off. So what's going to happen in that process just like when you take an antibiotic is you're killing off bad bacteria, but you're also killing off the good protective bacteria. And if you had very low good bacteria to begin with, and now you've just lowered it even more, it's really important to make sure whether it's taking a probiotic and there would be a specific strain that your coach would decide for you, depending on the severity or you're merely just focusing on what's called the three P's, which are prebiotics, probiotics, and polyphenols, because that's what's going to help your good gut bacteria grow. So you do a phase of re-inoculation. And to be honest, this is something that continues for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. If you are consuming 30 grams of fiber, and then all of a sudden you're only consuming 10 grams of fiber for the next 10 months, what do you think is going to happen? Right. You're going to be in the same boat because that good bacteria, it has anti-inflammatory properties. It has immune boosting properties. It has gut barrier properties. You're going to end up in the same boat. So all of the behaviors that we worked on initially from the beginning, hydration and water and liver and lymphatic drainage, that all has to be continued because you know what? Your gut microbiome can shift very, very quickly. So all of these things have to be played into practice. Um, it's kind of like you competed, right? In bodybuilding. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like- Well, I didn't. You, you didn't, but you're familiar with it. Yeah. So what happens with most girls is after they're done competing, they just eat whatever the heck they want. Yeah. And a lot of people have that mentality after they go through- a kill-off protocol, they're like, I'm fixed, I'm great, everything's wonderful. And then they just go back to the behaviors that they had before and they might be okay for a little bit, but eventually it's going to go back to the same scenario. It doesn't mean you have to be 100% perfect, but at least try to maintain that 80-20 lifestyle. Right, 100%. And it's, 
like you're you you'll get to a point where you can go out to eat and you aren't going to have a flare or you could go on vacation and feel fine. But in your day to day, like it really is a whole lifestyle change when you come to work with Alyssa or myself, because Mm -hmm. we're, if you were eating fast food, you were drinking all the time. You were a walking stress ball with no coping strategies. Like you were doing all of these things. That's part of what got you into this situation. So if you just revert right back to what you were doing before, you're going to end up having these things come back um, down the road. So it really is a lifestyle change. And that's partially why your, is your program six months as well? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. But our main programs are six months because it takes a long time to create those habits. Not only does it take at least six months to kind of like eradicate some of this stuff and work on these things, um, but it's creating these new lifestyle habits. It's not just, we're not just a diet that you start and then you, there's an end date, right? You're mm-hmm genuinely changing, like how you live your life, what you eat, how you cook, how your family eats, how your family cooks, all of those things. Um, and so I think that's like, that was such a good and a good little segment to have because it is so important. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's a lot. I mean, we, we have both been through this process, Mm -hmm. but it is like we said, it's, it's well worth it to go through something like this. Yeah. Because what's the alternative? You continue having bloating, you continue having constipation, varied with diarrhea, you're bloated all the time, you know, that's not a way to live. I've mm-hmm. talked to people that, you know, their whole life is on hold. I yeah. talked to a girl recently that, you know, she graduated from college and she can't work because she's in such bad pain yeah. every single day. That's and nice. it's, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's motivation mm-hmm. and we hope as coaches that you want to take that initiative mm-hmm. and actually do the work to feel better. We yeah. can guide the process, but you have to be mentally ready for something oh, like yeah. this. Yep. You have to be ready. You have to know. And that's partially like why we did this podcast episode. So you know what you're getting into if you decide that, okay, it's time. I don't want to feel this way anymore. And also I don't, this isn't meant to scare any of you out there, right. <laughs> but if you are feeling like that and you have all of these symptoms and they've been going on for so long, the alternative is yes, you're going to keep feeling them, but most likely you will end up with a more severe diagnosis of some sort of disease down the road, because these are all signs that things aren't working right, right? Things aren't, whether it be from your lifestyle or not, things are going to probably progress and get worse. And you don't want that diagnosis of an autoimmune condition, right? You don't want that diagnosis of infertility or even cancers or things like that. Like I think, um, is it colon cancer is on the rise in our age group of people, which is, I mean, it's sad, it's crazy, but it makes sense to me because I see so many women struggle with this bloating and these issues. So you don't want that to be you. So I would really do the internal work to start, you know, looking at your future self too, not just your present self of where do you want your health to be in five, 10 years versus yeah. just like, oh, it's not that bad right now. Cause it potentially could get a lot worse. Correct. Yeah. So and we work with you oh, it's, yeah. again. It's not meant to be scary. We will take where you currently are. Mm-hmm. And like I said, it could be two months of us working on very foundational things. 
Yeah. And helping you clean up your diets and get your stress levels down and get you pooping regularly and all that. And it's, it's not hand-holding, but it's, it's going to work with your lifestyle to make it not so scary. We're not mm-hmm. in the first month going to throw a crazy protocol at you. No. <laughs> That's expensive and you're not going to like what you're doing. And then you're going to want to quit in a few weeks. <laughs> yes. We definitely meet you where you're at. Uh, because we want you to feel better, right? We want it to work for you. So we're not going to throw you out into something that we know you're not ready for because our goal is to help you feel better, not to just yes. put you in like a run-of-the-mill program. Yes. So to wrap up this podcast, could you maybe shed some light on listeners that they've been struggling for a long time and they kind of feel like they're never going to not have bloating or they're never going to get to that place where they can like go out to eat and not have a crazy flare up. Do you have any positive words to give those listeners? Oh yeah. I mean, I'm living proof of it. Yeah. (laughs) I, I've walked the walk, you know, I've, I've been through this entire journey, um, started back in college when I was very, very stressed. And I, I had lost a very significant amount of weight um, Mm -hmm. because of my GI issues. And I never thought that I was going to get better. I would go to doctors and everything would come back normal. And colonoscopy was a clean bill of health. And it's so incredibly frustrating as a, as a patient to go desperately wanting answers and getting an answer of everything is fine. And you're walking away from that appointment and you're feeling I'm still bloated. I still have diarrhea. I still have constipation. Like this person did not help me, mm-hmm. but there are individuals out there like myself and like Leslie. And we, we understand what it's like to be on that side. So that's why both of us have such a passion and we, we know that we can help you, but it does require some faith and some determination and motivation on your part to know that it will get better because, and I've had to tell clients, you know, if you come into working with me thinking that you are not going to get better, that mentality is going to translate into your progress. Like it's not, you're not going to get better unless you trust me and you have some faith in the mm-hmm. process. So yeah, um, it does work. We do know what we're doing. <laughs> Um, for the most part, <laughs> um, if we don't, we will find a way. We are your advocate, though. Yeah, both of us will always find a way to help you. Whether it's it's needing to reach out to another mentor or somebody that knows more than we know uh, to get help. Help, but yeah, it's it's something that I get and that I love doing because I just I know what it's like. Mm-hmm. I love that. Love that. It is a hundred percent possible to get there, and I think that's like. That is, you do have to have a little bit of faith in the process because if you are constantly thinking of like, before you eat every meal, you're like, I know I'm going to blow. This is going to suck. This is going to be bad. You probably will. And it's probably is going to be bad. So you kind of have to almost, I don't want to say turn a blind eye, but while you're going through it, you want to be, pay attention and be like in tune with your body, but also at the same time, kind of have that mentality of like, if I blow, I blow, I'm still moving forward. I'm still working through it and not let one day of bloating or like a flare up send you in a spiral of thinking that you're never going to get better, which is hard to do, but it is hundred percent possible. Yes. 
So, well, thank you so much for coming on, Alyssa. Where can the people thank find you. you? I'm on Instagram. It's Alyssa Noel underscore RD. Okay. And do you have any upcoming offers or programs or anything you're doing you want to talk about? Yeah. So in the process of actually creating a 12 week course, um, it's going to be a lower ticket option to work with me. So it's not one-on-one coaching. It's not individualized coaching. It's a group program where every week we're going to go through a different topic. Um, everything surrounding how I lead a client down the journey. So a lot of the stuff we talked about today, starting with very basic things, moving into different types of testing and what that might reveal. Um, so it's, it's a really neat program to start with, uh, to just dive into a lot of different topics and be able to even get some relief from things you're experiencing. And if at the end of that, you know, you want to hop on for one-on-one coaching, you've at least gained Mm -hmm. three months worth of foundation and you understand, all right, these have to be consistent in order for me to move on to the next step. So I'm working on that right now. My hope is that it will um, end of summer, early fall. And yeah, I'm excited for it. I love it. That sounds awesome. That sounds great. Well, thank you again for being here. Follow her on Instagram. She posts lovely reels, often (laughs) sitting on the toilet. (laughs) Yes, my favorite place. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. And I will see you guys in the next episode.